The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Well, hello there. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. I'm here with Lynn Olzowie Wowie. <laughs> I haven't used that one in a long time. No, you haven't. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> Julie, you know what? Yes, Olzowie Wowie. Yesterday evening, I found myself thinking about our last episode with the Dr. Colleen Flash Hacker. Our last episode of season six. Mm-hmm. And how uh-huh. she left us with one of the messages for this year, which was to be a light. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what are we, we're about a fourth of the way through with the year. And I kind of asked myself, am I being a light? And I do think that our first episodes of this season have featured guests who are totally a light and light up the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking how our guest today fits that as well. She does indeed, because our guest is four-time Olympic bobsledder Alana Myers Taylor, who is the most decorated Black athlete in Winter Olympics history. I will repeat that again. She is the most decorated Black athlete in Winter Olympics history with five medals. She has three silver, two bronze, and she was also chosen the flag bearer for both the opening and closing ceremonies at the Beijing Olympics. Only, fun fact, the second Olympian ever to be chosen for both. An incredible honor because you're voted in by your fellow athletes, your peers. Alana played softball at George Washington University and was actually hoping to go to the Olympics as a kid for softball. She has a great story as to how she got into bobsledding from her softball career. And of course, we asked her about getting the COVID right after arriving in Beijing at this past Olympics and all that that entailed. Lordy, lordy, because it was a lot. Alana is most importantly, a gem of a human, and we can't wait for you to get to know her in this episode. So get comfortable listening. It's Alana Myers-Taylor. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives, and truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by... 
watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Hi, darling. Hi, how's it going? Good. You're such a rock star for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, is Nico sleeping? Yes. <laughs> the best, right? Yes, we got a good one. Please sleep for five hours. Why can't you just take a five hour nap? He's usually he'll take a good solid three hour nap. So he oh, usually really? gives me yeah, but then depending uh, on when he starts napping, then he might be up pretty late. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't miss those like strategic decisions of how long do you do you let them nap? Because yeah, who wants well. to sleep tonight? I do. Yes. <laughs> what, what is he into? Elmo. Extremely. It just tons of Elmo. Yeah. It's nonstop. I feel like I know all the words to every Elmo song at this point. Elmo's universal. That's so good. That is awesome. Uh, yay. Congrats on everything. So pumped oh, thanks. for you. Awesome, Alana. Thanks, I appreciate it. Oh, um, ahead of this interview, I was thinking about uh, when I had the opportunity to meet you, Alana, and it was mm -hmm. at the 2019, there was a Women's Sports Foundation event that Julie and I did a live podcast with Billie Jean King. Yeah, and that was that, an amazing podcast. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, that's sweet of you to say. And then that evening we had dinner and you were the president of the Women's Sports Foundation at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember you asked the room a question where everyone had to go around and give an answer. And the question was, if you could be any female athlete, who would you be? Mm -hmm. And I remember Julie went ahead of me and I remember thinking she's going to take my answer. She's totally going to take my answer for this. Do you remember who you said, Julie? Um, Alana Myers-Taylor. <laughs> do, do you remember who you said, Alana? I don't remember your answer. No, I don't remember my answer. <laughs> so Julie said Michaela Schifrin. Oh, I did? Mm -hmm. ah. Yeah. Uh -huh. You totally stole mine. And then mm. uh, I said Kendall Coyne because I wanted to be able to go as fast as her, but now we might have to say Alana Myers-Taylor because I think you go yeah. even faster than so, Kendall Coyne. <laughs> yes, I, I think so, but I don't think we go faster than Michaela. I think it's close, like how fast they go. Well, and uh, what, downhill. I think it's pretty oh. close to how fast we go. It's crazy. Really? I can't believe that. Yeah, I can't believe they do that without a sled covering them. Like that's right. insane to me. Totally exposed. <laughs> the yeah. pace and that hill looks so steep because they couldn't stop when people would fall it's yeah, like they no. just kept sliding did you see that i was like oh yeah my god it shows you how steep it is they cannot stop just oh. insane scary. Yeah. scary most winter olympics events seem insane yes that's the hallmark is you can crash and 
something can go horribly wrong in every one of them, except maybe curling. But I feel like <laughs> you tried really hard enough. You could get pretty injured in curling. So who knows? <laughs> True story. When we would walk through the airport and people would ask us what team we were, we, we would always say USA curling. And they'd be like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. We were surprised like, yeah. people knew what it was. Some people, yeah. like a lot of people don't, but... We just thought that was so funny that everyone thought curling yeah. was the coolest thing. We're like, you would say curling. Did you do that back in the day? Yeah, back in the day, like early days of the national team. You know, before everyone knew who we were and then we had bodyguards <laughs> and everything. Yeah, no, that was not us. No bodyguards needed. <laughs> um, okay. Alana, as you know, first thing we always do on the pod is you set the scene. So sister, set the scene for us. Okay, uh, I am currently at home right outside Atlanta. Um, I am in my home office, which is just basically a corner in the living room. Um, <laughs> been back now from Beijing for about two weeks, um, speaking on Zoom, but I do have a surprise for this particular seat, and it got a little messed up. I know when the debates is always, you know, is a cinnamon bun a donut and not. So I just got a cinnamon bun donut. So it's a cinnamon bun flavored donut and a whole box of donuts and if i could i would send these your way Stop uh, it. of course Wait. i had to get donuts for the occasion <sighs> i'm so jealous see <laughs> mind blown lynn's making the the imagery oh i know lynn and i were just saying like how much we miss sitting at a table munching on a donut well i was saying that and then julie said i don't miss traveling <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Oh, I know. I so wish that's the thing. I, that's what I'm really craving is being there with you right now, so we could really taste test that particular. So it's a cinnamon. But <laughs> we need to break this down. It's Wait, not a yeah. Cinnamon Do roll. you think a cinnamon roll is a donut? Alana. I feel like that's a loaded question, and I feel like yeah, I shouldn't answer that. Yeah, you definitely should answer this, and you know where I fall on this. So if we still want to be friends. Well, Come to you know, my I feel, side, sister. I feel very pressured to say this cinnamon bun is a donut, so I'm going to stick with that for right now. Um, but I'm going to have a cinnamon bun donut, or actually, probably my husband, because we ordered from this place called Duck Donuts in Atlanta. So if you're in Atlanta, you got to stop Duck by. Duck Donuts there. is um, the place? Okay. Yes. Um, and I think it's one of those kind of things where there's just two of us. My son's not really going to eat donuts. He's only two. He'll eat a little bit, but not. And it's just like uh, one of those things where you're soul. picking them out. Yeah. It's never too early <laughs> to start. Two, two is you're perfect. Picking them out. It's just like <laughs> you can't just pick out one flavor. So now we've got like half or a dozen donuts. And it's like for two people, I don't know what we're going to do with oh, all this. But, so. um, okay. If we were sitting at the table, I would be pounding on the table going, oh, Holy shit. Let's start talking about the Olympics because as we both know, you spend all this time preparing for an Olympics, making sure you're in pitch perfect form when you get to an Olympics and on Perfectly top of that- Perfectly time it. Yeah, and then on top of that, you're like avoiding COVID for the last two years and then you land in Beijing and you get the damn COVID. I was like, come on, that does not seem right or fair tell me about it yeah oh. yeah that was absolutely insane especially because you know the restrictions in china were pretty strict and going in we were like okay as long as you don't get covid in china you're fine just don't get it in china don't get it in china yeah don't get it and then we land and then actually 
you take tests beforehand and those tests are really strict to get into China. And then you land, take it at the airport. And that's also supposed to be the strictest tests. We passed all of those. And then it wasn't until two days later when we actually turned up positive. So it was Crazy. a complete shock um, to say the least. Cause we have, we still have no idea how we actually contracted with that. Before we had actually landed, we were in a training camp in Switzerland and staying in a house with seven other people and outside of the four of us in our family, nobody else tested positive for COVID. And yeah. it was crazy. So we have no idea how we got it or anything like that. And, and like you had mentioned, we had spent so much time trying to do everything we could to avoid it. Um, we hadn't gone home since November 10th because we thought flying back to the U.S. would be too much uh, too much risk. So we had done everything possible uh. and ended up with it at the games. It's just mind I mean, when you got that message that you were positive, what did you do? I would have lost my ever loving mind. I think the crazy thing is I got that message the same day that I got told that I was going to be flag bearer. So oh. <laughs> oh my way I mean, for opening so, ceremonies. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, the first concern obviously was our health and everything like that and make sure we were okay. And then the next question was, what does this mean? What happens from here? How is this all going to work? Will I be able to compete and things right. like that? And, and it was just chaos for a little bit trying to figure out. And the other thing is that we were informed of my son was there with us because I was breastfeeding. Um, the IOC allows you to bring breastfeeding infants if you're competing. Um, so my son was there with us. And originally it was my husband and my son in a room and my dad was there to be able to take care of Nico, um, who is my son. And so the next question was, is, how is this all working? Where do we all go? What ends up happening here? And yeah, it was just chaos for a minute. They're trying to figure it all out. This is where Dr. Colleen Hacker would, it was one of her hackerisms is plot twist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, in, in full transparency, when Julie and I were working on the questions, Julie wrote up some, some initial questions. And, and when she put talking about COVID first, and I was like, I'm so tired of talking about COVID and can we start somewhere else? And then I watched a video you did for, I believe it was USA Today. Mm-hmm. like an in the room video of what your experience was like. And yeah. I th- I said, Oh my, I-, I was, I couldn't believe it. Can you, because to me it was an ultimate in resilience. I I'm so curious to talk with you about your mental strategy that mm-hmm. went into that. Mm-hmm. Maybe first start describe the room that you were in. <laughs> Cause it wasn't like you got quarantined in the four seasons. No. <laughs> so um, it's crazy because I feel comfortable talking about like exactly what it was like now. But during it, you're like, no, don't say anything about these rooms or anything, because at the end of the day, we're also in China. So you're like, what information am I allowed to share? What am I allowed to talk about? All these kind of things. And so what ended up happening is we were staying in a hotel anyways, because of my son, he couldn't stay in the Olympic Village. So we were in a hotel offsite anyways. But then how it works is in order for us to clear the virus and and give me enough ability to compete is they had to isolate each of us individually. So because my son, my husband was on the men's team, he needed to be isolated separately from me to try and get out on time. I need to be isolated separately. And then my dad and my son need to be isolated separately. So what they did from the hotel that we were in is they marched us down um, the hotel lobby through the hotel lobby one by one. And we got on the ambulance and drove to a place. And so we didn't know exactly where we were going or anything like that. Um, you were marched down there with all your stuff. And then you just landed at this place, you get into the place, everything's dark. They spray all your stuff with sanitizer, everything. And then you're taken to your room. And then once you're in your room, your stuff's in your room, the door closes and that's 
the rest of the time, all you're going to see is the people who come on a daily basis to test you and everything like that. And oh. so it's, um, it was a pretty small room. You could um, never leave that room. You couldn't no. even step foot outside that room. Nope. And if oh. you, if you had the door open for too long, the door would start beeping. So <sighs> yeah, we had a little window that you could open, but it probably only opened about 40 degrees. Um, so it, it wasn't, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to open all the windows every single day, like open the windows, open the curtains to just have sunlight in there and to get some like vitamin D and some sense of normalcy oh because God. you just had to like, you know, I mean, people weren't meant to be in isolation period, but to be there at the Olympics when you've prepared all your life for this, like yeah. it was just crazy. And so in the room, I had a bed bathroom. That was pretty much it. A hot water, um, thermos. And, and from there, you're just trying to. <laughs> <laughs> do everything you can to prepare. It was pretty crazy. I that's the thing that blows my mind because how much thought and preparation goes in to that moment when you're mm-hmm. an Olympian and you're waiting four years for this. And then for that to happen and for you to handle it so graciously and gorgeously and, and calmly. Like in that video on USA Today, you were so calm. I mean, there was no room for you to hardly even work out. I saw you doing those little, you know, like lunges across the room, barely fitting. What did you do for workouts? Yeah. So the good news is, is my husband is also my strength and conditioning coach. So he had the same limitations, space limitations as I did. So he was able to do different workouts, try them out, and then hand them off to me and said, Hey, this is what you need to do. Um, so at the beginning, it was even just like putting my hands against the wall and, and running in place to try and simulate oh pushing a sled and doing oh. different things like that. Um, and eventually like I got an exercise bike and then eventually I got more weightlifting equipment. So I was able to do more and more as we got stuff, but you know, there was a lot of pushups, a lot of body weight squats, things like that, picking up whatever I had in the room, suitcases to try and get some weight behind me and, and just try and stay as trained up as possible. Oh so that's God. the physical side. Tell me about the mental side of it. Mentally, I think the hardest part was, or I know the hardest part was being away from my son um, because mm-hmm. up until that point, I had only been away from him for like nine hours. Like he went over to his grandparents' house to spend the night. And even then I was like there as late as possible and back at first thing in the morning kind of thing. Um, so I was not used to being away from my son, especially yeah wasn't expecting it here at the games. And so I was still breastfeeding too. So that added into the whole thing. Um, trying to pump and trying to make sure he had what he needed. Um, but mentally, I think there were times where it was really a struggle, but the biggest thing is, is my husband is like one of the most positive people I've ever met. And he just kept telling me, you know, we're going to get out of this. You need to be prepared. What do we need to do? And then it was also really cool to see from an international perspective. Um, there were quite a few people internationally in the bobsled community that reached out to me. There was one pilot, Benny Meyer, an Austrian pilot who like not only sent me videos of, cause I was missing training time during this time. He sent me videos of his runs at the track. And then he also oh. sent me all of his track notes and everything like that. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. So there were people out there really looking out for me and really trying to encourage me and stay positive. And it was incredible to see that kind of community around me. Yeah. Because that's when you get to know the track, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. As well as yep. when you get there, you're making all those practice runs to understand what the track feels like. And so you didn't get any of that. I got some during the week of the actual competition. So I was able to get the official training, which is considered six runs leading into the race. But we actually had training runs before the opening ceremony. And I didn't, I wasn't able to take any of those runs. 
which definitely was a detriment. But like I said, I was able to stay engaged as much as possible because people internationally were just reaching out to me. Like my phone was flooded with messages of people just trying to help me stay focused on what I came here to do. And uh, actually, when I came out, helping me have the biggest advantage I could. And you know why? That's such a testament of, to you, Alana, mm-hmm. because you would do that. And like people love you because you're just such a kind soul. And so that warms my heart that they were like, we take care of her because she would take care of us in this moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty powerful. So so how many days after you got out did then you have before you competed? So I got out February. I think I officially got out on February 6th, um, but wasn't able to like start integrating back until the 7th. And then even when you start integrating back, you're on what's called a close contact protocol. So you're still required to take all your meals by yourself, take um, all your training by yourself. You can't even train in the same venues or anything as everybody else. Even like at the track, they have warm up areas. And so it's a heated warm up area. It's really nice. And then when I eventually got to be able to go to the track, I had to trade outside. I couldn't even be there with other people. Um, so we should say you were asymptomatic. Did you? You mm-hmm. didn't right the, the whole yes. time. Asymptomatic. Yes, asymptomatic. So, see, and that's another thing. I would have not handled it as well as you can see. I'm getting fired up just listening to this. I'm like, oh my god. That was the frustrating thing as an athlete is because you're like, I feel great. I feel like I'm in the peak condition of my life. Like I should be out there. I should be doing all of this. Um, But, you know, I think also just having the perspective of how fortunate we were because all of us were asymptomatic and COVID has affected so many people so severely. And so to not have any symptoms, I mean, it's definitely a blessing. Man. So how many days before you competed? Um, So I got out February 6th and then we competed on the 13th. So almost a week. Okay. Which was definitely helpful. Yeah. But yeah. it was just, I got out on the 6th and then my husband took him a couple of days. My husband, my son, and my dad all got out on the same day. So, okay. um, yeah, it took him a couple of days later to get out. You credit your husband with his positive attitude. Is there anything you did during that time that you've learned along the way that you went to when it was just those frustrating moments or was it taking it one because it seemed like it was like one hit after the other of not sure what's coming next, the uncertainty. Yeah, I think at the beginning, when we first got in, I was trying to maintain this facade of like, oh, I'm just a strong person. Like, I don't need anybody help. So I don't want to reach out to anybody. But eventually, like the longer and longer you're in there, I just really started reaching out to the people around me. And like at the beginning, like I didn't want to talk to my teammates. I didn't want to like burden them, so to speak, with what I was going through. But as I stayed in there longer and longer, I really made an effort in, in order to reach out to people and, and tell them what I was feeling and what I was going through. And, mm. you know, people will really surprise you in that moment. And that moment, like like I've mentioned, is not only the international community, but also my teammates um, really surrounded me and really helped uplift me. And, and that's something I think with my role as a bobsled pilot is you think you can't be vulnerable necessarily around your teammates mm. because they need to trust you to get in the sled. <laughs> they need to trust that you have it going on in order to get behind you. So you feel like you can't be vulnerable, but be really being able to reach out to them and, and tell them that I was struggling. It really mm. helped and really taught me a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's such, it's so important to your point that you, you show that vulnerability at times. I think that's a hard one for women. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. We always think we have to be perfect instead of just saying I'm struggling right now. And then yeah. the world opens up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I I just I think that's tremendous. So, 
so proud well, of you. <laughs> that's just very much part of the story of of your Olympics. Jules, do you want to <laughs> do you want to take it from there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's just let's just say it. We could chant it. Most decorated black athlete in winter Olympics history. Uh, 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 uh. Come on, come on. What is your reaction to that? It is still mind blowing, and I still don't think I've, I've taken it all in, and I don't think I'll ever really be able to wrap my head around it. And hopefully, by the time I do, someone's breaking it already. So, because that's the thing is, is it's just crazy like I, I know plenty of black athletes who have been through this sport and and achieved on such a level at the winter olympics and to have your name now among them um is just mind-blowing um and i hope among it encourages them, more people most yeah. decorated <laughs> yeah i mean black athlete in winter olympics history that is crazy that yeah, is it awesome is. it is and you know it's something that i'm definitely proud of um, and definitely hope it encourages more people of color to get into our sport and get into winter yeah. sport as well who was a big inspiration for you growing up um well definitely in a bobsled capacity Benetta flowers yeah uh, she was the first african-american to win a gold medal um, in winter sport and seeing her in the sport of bobsled seeing her from down the road in birmingham alabama yeah. um, i'm in atlanta and so seeing her be able to achieve that i was like well i could I can be a bobsledder. And, you know, of course that's a little naive for people to think that, but I think that's how a lot of us get in our sport. You see some other buddy uh, that looks like you or, or that is like you. And you're like, Oh, I could do that. If they could do that, I could do that. And so um, hopefully I could be that kind of example to other people as well. And softball was really the sport you've talked about that you thought that was going to be your route to the Olympics. <laughs> so how did that transition to bobsled? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that really I was the beneficiary of is the 96 games in Atlanta mm. and to see you guys uh, win your gold medal, to see women's uh -huh. softball win a gold medal, women's basketball, to see everybody like I was young and impressionable with that. And I, I was going to say, you were, like, were you like two years old? You were like Nico's <laughs> age no, at no, that no. time. <laughs> I, I was. I think I was 12 at that time. Um, and I remember watching everything so vividly. And, that, you know, it's funny because if you know Olympics, it wasn't a kind of thing where I wanted to go to those games so bad, but of yeah. course we couldn't afford it because it's the Olympics. Yeah, um, it but in your to even, backyard, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. But to even to be able to see that, like it was just incredible and to be inspired by that. So I came out of those Olympics uh, thinking that I could be an Olympian in any of those sports. And I played softball, I played soccer, I played basketball. And you're like, oh, all these people did it. <laughs> right. Let's go after it. This looks awesome. Um, but yeah, softball was my specialty. And I tried, um, I played professionally for a season. I played collegiately and then tried to make the Olympic team and absolutely had a disaster of a tryout. It was <laughs> terrible. Um, the worst trial in the history of tryouts. And I am not exaggerating. Uh, when you say this, I, Why? I know it, I just choked completely. Um, I think, I think I had put, cause softball was taken out of the games after that. Um, and I think I had put so much pressure on myself at that time, uh, to make it. And this was my only mm. shot that I just couldn't handle it. And being as young as I was, I was in my twenties. I think, um, it just was beyond my capacity to handle it. And so it choked. Um, I, I swung at balls over my head. I, and I don't even know if 
some of the athletes that were there, like Monica Abbott, I don't think she would remember it, but she might because it was that bad. She'd be like, this girl was so bad. She didn't even belong there. But uh, so I think that was pretty devastating in a sense. But, you know, it was also one of those kind of things where my parents had, had told me, you know, there's this opportunity that exists outside of here, bobsled. You know, we saw Vanetta Flowers. They saw it on TV and like, hey, why don't you try this? So I Googled it emailed the coach and got invited to a trial in Lake Placid, New York. And, and 15 years later, I'm still here. Unbelievable. From your parents saying, hey, why don't you try this? And them seeing Vanetta. That's what yes. that's what inspired them to tell you. Oh, gosh. Yep. And that's the kind of thing is that, you know, I remember watching 99 World Cup. Uh, we were, My softball team at the time, um, what, the traveling softball team at the time, it was mostly soccer players. Like they do sport athletes, but yeah. a good amount of them had been playing soccer. And they're like, no, we got to in between our games, we got to go watch this World Cup. We got to go uh... watch this World Cup. And, and I remember sitting there very vividly. Um, watching the games while, while you guys were playing, while we were playing too. So it was one of those kind of things. I think we won that tournament too. Uh, but while you're <laughs> seeing it and while you're being inspired, like you directly are taking it into your own competition. So it was pretty right. cool. Oh, that is awesome. This was your fourth Olympics, but as you said, now being a mom, your first one as a mom. So tell us about how Nico has changed your life, Alana. He has made my life so much more full and so much richer yeah. um, because he is he's the best. And obviously I'm biased, but uh, everybody who's met him is the best too. So it's not just me, um, but you know, I think just from a sporting perspective, anytime you become a parent, it teaches you like sports are important and we love them and they're so much fun to play. But you have that perspective now is that's not the only thing that's going on. And I think sometimes as athletes, you can kind of lose yourself within your sport and think that yeah. it's so important and think that the pursuit of a gold medal is the only thing that matters. And now having him, you know, he doesn't care win, lose or draw. <laughs> he doesn't care what happens on the ice. Um, when I come home, he wants to play. He wants my full attention. And, and now having that perspective, I think the biggest thing is it really allowed me to stay out of unnecessary things, especially, you know, on teams. Sometimes you just get a lot of team drama. And now I've been able to stay out of that a lot, which I think has helped my mental preparation and, and allowed me mental flexibility to not get caught up in things that really don't concern the sport. Yeah. And it's perspective, isn't it? I remember mm -hmm. I didn't have kids while playing, but I had teammates who had kids and you could have the crappiest game or practice and you come home and the kids just smiling and then wants to play and you're like okay they don't give a shit that we just lost yes, i probably yes. shouldn't give a shit either really yes. <laughs> and on the other side they really don't care if you've got a game and or you've got a race the next morning either <laughs> like they yeah. don't care. He's, he's nico needs to eat at 3 a.m he does not care if i've got a race he does not care what's going on um and so you just have that whole perspective is like and the other thing is like time doesn't care either time doesn't care yeah. um the clock doesn't care whether or not you've been up all night with a kid or anything like that so you it teaches you how to go out there and perform regardless and, and you know you always have this no excuses go out there and, and do what you need to do but i think that's magnified as a parent because you know they really as much crazy stuff that goes on off the ice it really doesn't matter once you're on the ice yeah he uh nico was born with down syndrome and mm -hmm. also partially deaf Fully deaf? Uh, fully deaf. Mm -hmm. Fully deaf. 
adding those layers on to parenting, how does that affect what you're doing? I think one of the main ways it's affected is because um, with his disabilities, like I think a large part of me was very hesitant to let him out of my sight for a long time and to let him, mm. you know, first with COVID, he wasn't doing normal kid things, anything, but um, I, you know, it was hard for me to think about being away from home. That's why it was such a challenge at the games when he was actually taken away for that time being. Um, but the other thing is, is it's also given me a lot of patience um, and it's also taught me about myself. Like I have much more strength than I ever thought and also showed me like he has much more strength than I ever knew. And he's, <laughs> you know, if I think I'm having a bad day, he's a trooper. He's been through so much in just two years of life. Like I've got nothing to complain about. Um, so in some ways he, in every way, he inspires me to go out there and be the best version of myself because he is day in and day out. Oh, that's so gorgeous. And when you got back to competing, you brought Nico on the road with you, you and your husband. Uh, any funny stories you could share from the the Myers Taylor traveling bobsled road show? Oh my gosh! Um, one of the coolest things that actually uh, has happened during this time is he has been around no kids whatsoever. Uh, but we have team meals, we have team dinners and things like that. And what was really cool is to see my teammates around him. And, you know, a lot of them, uh, nobody else has children or anything and then see them um, engage with them and stuff like that. And so my teammates actually taught Nico how to snap. And so he can't really snap, of course, he can't snap, but he moves his fingers like this and goes like this with his mouth to make the snapping sound and so I have a video of this and it is the cutest thing ever Aww. and that was because my teammates have, have taught him that so you know it's just been it's like yes I'm his mom but he's got on the tour side of things he's got six or seven aunts um looking after him and he's got all these different women um and my teammates willing to look after him which has been really cool to see how important is it for the other athletes to see you as a mom in terms of them maybe one day doing the same? Well, I think the hardest thing is within the sport of bobsled is we are on the road six months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And so historically, um, also with our team dynamics, is you're relying on other people a lot. Um, historically, within our sport, if you wanted to start a family, you retired. Um, and there's were and continue to be a lot of barriers, whether it's financial or whether it's your own sporting organization says you're not allowed to have family on tour. Um, that still exists to this day. They just won't even allow it. So there's a lot of barriers that still exist. But to see me be able to do it and be successful, I think that's opened up a lot of people's eyes. And hopefully, yeah. like I've already now had conversations to other athletes about them wanting to start a family and continue on and do yeah. those types of things. So hopefully um, that's more and more a possibility. And actually our International Federation has actually changed their rules. So basically what happens on the international federation side is if you take a year off to maternity leave, um, we have different levels of tours. World cup is the highest level. If you're on that world cup level or on any level of tour, you keep your spot, oh, even though awesome. you take the year off. So you don't miss out in, in qualifying that spot and things like that. So there's been some changes and, and I like to think I've had a part of that because, you know, I was able to do it myself. Oh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you can come back to that same level right? Yeah. You're not risking all of that. I also saw you say somewhere that it takes four to eight years to become an elite driver. And yep. so people just felt like they didn't have the time to become an elite driver and have kids uh, and do both. And so you're showing them a different path, obviously, as well, which is tremendous.
Yeah, definitely. And and some of the things that I've also seen is unfortunately, um, you know, women have put off having children and, and put off their families and, and things like that in order to pursue their bobsled careers. And, and unfortunately, I've had conversations with people who have retired and stuff and they've regretted it. And hopefully, you know, we get to a spot where women are able to choose not just whether or not they yeah. want to have family, but also whether they don't want to have a family. Um, obviously right. that's always a choice, but you're able to have that choice. And it's an open conversation with our organizations. It's not just like, Oh, well, you know, if you want to have a family that's on your own, um, hopefully we can get to the point where we're having open conversations about it and family planning becomes part of the lifestyle of an athlete and part of the athletic planning in itself. Mm. Yeah. And, and to your point that you're, you're passing laws and rules and uh, putting policies in place that actually, if they do want to do it, encourages women to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Because you do need, you need that side of it as well. U.S. soccer has been pretty progressive on that front. Joy Fawcett was our pioneer in that sense, like you are for the bobsledding community. When she first started having kids, she like popped them out and was back on the field. And we were like, whoa, holy <laughs> cow. I mean, literally one time, two weeks after having a baby, she was out like playing That's 5v2s insane. with us. And I was like, That's what insane. are you doing? Oh, my God. I was like, I can't wait to see you after eight kids, but she stopped oh, at three. She stopped at three. <laughs> yeah, and that's I think that's a whole nother piece of it is is the physically overcoming childbirth and, and getting back to it. Yeah. I think from in my perspective, um, I was set with the task of, you know, six months after having Nico, um, I needed to make the national team again and I needed to do it to secure funding and all these stuff. Um, because bobsled is it's crazy expensive sport. So um, I needed six months postpartum. I had to be right back to it. Um, which fortunately at the time there weren't many athletes I was competing against, but it was crazy stressful now trying to figure out how to make sure my body's back in six months yeah. uh to full form. Um, you know, even things like just losing weight and making sure I was at weight while I'm breastfeeding and all these types of things, like it was really, really difficult. And hopefully soon we get past the point of that that expectation that, you know, even though joy did it, that you're on back on the field two weeks. Um, I still think there is that expectation. I still think there is this idea that you're just going to bounce back, but um, unfortunately that's not the experience for anybody or most people. And it shouldn't be the expectation either. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be, I think that piece of it is going to take longer to get to that point, but that's also the step we need to get to is where we don't expect women to be, you know, doing these crazy things right after popping out a baby. Yeah. And especially if you have C-section, which takes even longer, right? Yeah. You really have to shut it down. Um, Okay. Before we go there, Julie, Mm -hmm. can we uh, maybe a full circle moment from where we started the conversation where uh, you you weren't able to be the opening ceremony flag bearer, Mm. but you had that honor at the closing ceremony of this past Olympics. What did that mean to you? Oh, that was just... Like to actually be able to walk um, was really amazing. But I think the bigger honor was once again, just being elected by my teammates um, for that and them recognizing. And, and I think like having that, you think closing ceremony usually goes to a gold medalist or, or something like that. Somebody who's just knocked it out of the park. And we had so many stellar medalists at that game, gold medalists. And, and even my own teammate, Kelly Humphreys had, had a gold medal. So, you know, when you think about closing, you usually think it's, it's those people who get it. So for my teammates to recognize what I've been through and, and overcoming COVID and, and still coming away with medals and to reelect me, like it was a pretty cool honor and, and pretty huge. Oh yeah. Cause it's, it's selected by all the athletes who are there mm-hmm. too, which is another complete honor as well. Oh yeah. 
I love that you gotta you gotta walk and you gotta carry that flag because that must have just been soul crushing at the beginning of the Olympics when you heard you on the same day that you got COVID. <laughs> oh, that was it cool. wasn't it wasn't actually as soul crushing as it could have been because I have now this incredible relationship and I had an incredible relationship with Brittany Bow, but now even more so because I got to ha- hand yeah. off that honor to an uh, amazing person, you know. If you don't know the story of Brittany, she had given up her spot uh, in the 500 meter speed skating race to Aaron Jackson when Aaron Jackson didn't make the team. And then Aaron Jackson goes on and wins a gold medal. But I had the great opportunity of giving something to Brittany because she had given so much of herself, um, you know, so I gave her the flag bearing duties. And and so it's this kind of really cool thing that came out of it. And, and, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better outcome uh, considering the way things went down. Another cool full circle moment right there, wasn't yeah, it? That yeah. was a that was a great story as well with Brittany. We usually okay. do sorry, sorry, we usually do takeaways in the close of the show, but my takeaway is Alana, can we be friends? Of course. <laughs> you need, are incredible. Oh, thank you. I always need friends. So yes, of course. <laughs> More importantly, can you be a babysitter, Lynn? That's yes, what I would say. I would love to. I yes, will pay in I'm all the donuts in. you want. All the donuts I'll pay whatever. We need. Right, well, for life. <laughs> Julie is desperately trying to get to the Lynn game, so we shall go there. And um, we have two former presidents of the Women's Sports Foundation Ow! with us. Let's yeah. go. So I'm going to already share the theme of the game is the battle of the ex-presidents, where all the questions will be about former presidents of the Women's Sports Foundation. Oh, we're called past okay. presidents, Lynn. <laughs> the battle of the past presidents. All right. The PPs. The oh, that sounded kind of weird. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's actually very fitting. Uh, so what are each of your noisemakers? My noisemaker is a book. One of Nico's books. Sounds like that. It's got a dinosaur nose that squeaks. Perfect. That is perfect. Mine is Little Piggly, and I don't honestly, is Swaggy in here? No, Swaggy's not in here. She'll be here soon. <laughs> She's going to hear it from downstairs. We will have five questions, best of five wins. All of these are multiple choice as well. Squeak in whenever you think you know the answer. Okay. Alana, good luck. You do. <laughs> Question one. Race car driver Lynn St. James received this type of teaching certificate from the St. Louis Institute of Music. Oh, oh. oh my gosh. A, piano teaching, B, cello teaching, oh. or C, French horn ch- teaching. <laughs> Julie, getting in there. <laughs> piano teaching correct <laughs> <laughs> i will say i think that was some strategery on your part you had no idea what the answer no was idea, but, but i have to anyway. be more aggressive because i've been so yeah. sucky on games <laughs> okay okay yes yes question two what number did jessica mendoza where as a member of the oh, U.S. Geez. national softball team. These are all past presidents, by the way. Okay. That, I know it, that was the theme, but I'm just reinforcing the theme. Uh, okay. Was it A, number two, B, 12, or C, 22? Alana. Two. Correct. Oh. 
Well done. I'm Jess, watching Jess, that was my guess too, know. Jess. I had yeah. that too, Jess. I so had that. <laughs> Question three. One, one, one to Where one. Where did hockey player Angelo Ruggiero go to college? <laughs> Harvard. 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 Cor- Correct. Yes. Boom. <laughs> yes. Didn't need even the multiple choice for that two to one, Jules. Question four. What events has Elena Nichols competed in at the Winter and Summer Paralympics? Did both of you squeak in? No. I did. Okay, Alana. So is alpine skiing and wheelchair basketball. Correct. Oh, Oh, solid. (laughs) This is going to five. Here we go. Question five. According to her Wikipedia page, what is Dominique Dawes' nickname in the gymnastics community? Oh, I think I know this. Is it A, Dynamic Dominique, B, Awesome Dawesome, or C, The Dominator? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, those are all really good. Do you need them again? Oh, Julie. I'm going aggressive. I'm going aggressive. Awesome Dawesome. Correct. That was impressive, though. Thank you for that. Thank you for letting me win something this year. I I didn't let you in, but I'll take a silver medal. I, I you know, I'm good with the silver medal. You are medal, the most so. decorated athlete. I mean, you cannot. You cannot win every category of every game, okay? Yeah, Ooh. that's fine. I'll take I'll take my losses there. You you did your thing there. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, I'm really proud of myself if I don't <laughs> say so myself. Okay, most pressing questions. Um, Alana, we used to play a game uh, when we'd watch the Olympics at the Olympics, and. It, as we got towards the end of our career, we'd be like, okay, how can we keep this going? Like, couldn't we just keep playing in different sports? Mm-hmm. So we would literally sit there and watch the Summer Olympics and be like, I could totally do kayaking. I could do kayaking. <laughs> yes. Or we'd be like, curling. Totes. Curling. I could do curling. We could just carry on. So my most pressing question is, what Olympic sport is next for you? Speed skating. And I've already oh, reached out to really? U.S. speed skating. Are you for because, real? Yeah. I've always wanted to try it. And I, I can skate. Um, not great. But I, I've always wanted to at least just try to get out there. So I'm going to, one time when we're out in Utah, I'm going to at least give it a girl. Well, you got all your friends too, Britt. Aaron, all yeah. of them could help you. Yeah. So They, you they know, might I've be like, oh, that's coaches. more competition coming our way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it'll be super fun. I think I got the quads for it, so I'm willing to give it a try. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I'm taking. We're taking credit if if your next Olympics is in speed skating. Yep, heard it here first. <laughs> heard it here on the pod first. Breaking news. I think uh, I'm calling it. I'm going to change up my most pressing uh, to what is your favorite donut. In that mix you got today, which one are you going for once we're done? So not in that mix, not my favorite, but my favorite of all time is blueberry cake donut. It's just, yeah, Krispy Kreme does it really well, but there's a lot of people who do it really well. Just a basic blueberry cake or even a sour cream donut. It's so good. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Sour cream donuts are good too. All right. That's respectful. Uh, And you're still saying a cinnamon roll is a donut right now. 
<laughs> after after you beat me, then no, cinnamon roll is not a donut. <laughs> Changing my answer. I I am recalling that final answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, the last segment we do, Alana, is high low cheer. We do this around the dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day, low of the day, and someone they cheer for, someone they're grateful for to to show gratitude. Uh, but for you, it would be the high of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone who's helped you along the way. Um, the high of my career usually surprises people, but the high of my career is actually making the U.S. men's national team in four-man competition. Um, ah, I think yes. that was, you know, Olympic medals aside, you know, that was one of those kind of moments where I put myself on an even playing field with the guys, which most people in our sport believe was not possible. Um, so to actually go out there and do it, uh, was pretty Give a little more moment. context of that, because this is a great story, if you would. Yeah, so uh, men have had two man and four man uh, disciplines in the Olympics since the beginning of time, and women had always just had the two person. And so we had fought for the opportunity uh, to have two disciplines in the games and, and two disciplines in general, four man in particular. Um, and so finally, our international federation, after much fighting, gave us the opportunity. Uh, but they said, hey, you've got to make your national teams. You've got to do all this stuff before we'll even give you a shot. And they didn't think we could do it. Uh, but lo and behold, I was able to, um, but with my husband riding on brakes. So I actually raced with my husband, um, was able to beat out a couple guys in order to make the men's national team. And I was the first woman, uh, U.S. woman to make men's national team, which was a pretty incredible moment. That's so, that's so rad. Yeah. And to do it with my husband too. It's it's a pretty special moment. That's cool. I love it. Okay. Low. Uh, Low of my career. um, I guess I would probably say the Sochi Olympics. Um, And the reason why, yes, I was a silver medal. I missed out by a 10th of a second, but the reason why is because of the approach that I had taken to it and if you're an athlete you know like you have very certain messages you say inside your head and you are very used to your own self-talk and at those olympics why i didn't succeed as well as i I thought i should have um, is because the self-talk in my head was the coaches Um, so i was so used to hearing the coaches voices in my head that when it came down to it when a pressure moment hit that I didn't have my own voice that I was listening to, um, which was really what cost me the medal is the gold medal uh, is because when I got in trouble, I didn't have anything to say to myself to get out of it. I was relying on other people telling me things. So that was definitely the low moment of my career is realizing that I didn't win that gold medal is because I wasn't good enough. It wasn't. And usually, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into whether or not you win a gold medal. But at the end of the day, it's like I wasn't mentally strong enough in that moment to go after my dreams. Um, and, and so it was really a learning moment and it really allowed me to become the driver that I am today. But definitely it was it felt like the low moment of my career. Right. Yeah. What do you say to yourself now? Now it's it's all my voice in my head. So win, lose or draw, I, I'm with me, uh, which is the most empowering thing you can think of. And, and so for even like the the silver medal um, performance in the monobob, I told myself every single moment of those of those runs is just to fight, just to not give up yourself, just keep fighting. And you can see if you watch the races, my runs get progressively better. Uh, my first run was pretty bad, but even I told myself what tends to happen in the bobsled race is if you make a mistake up top, uh, it tends to carry with you and, and people take it with you. So the run just gets progressively worse and worse and worse. And, oh, and what I was determined not to do 
for those games was to let that happen. I was determined to fight every single curve and fight mm-hmm. for every hundredth. And that's exactly what I told myself. And that's what I did. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cheer. And then my cheer is for my husband because <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's my everything for my husband and my son, but definitely for all the people around me. Like I've been blessed to be with some incredible people around me, not only internationally, but nationally as well. Um, my teammates I've had, you know, I think the stat was 41, uh, I've raced with 41 different brakemen um, or 41 different athletes throughout my 15 wow. years, which has just been incredible. And I can tell you that every single one of them gave me everything they had. And that is like, you can't ask for anything better than that. Um, right. You know, yes, we haven't won gold medals with all of them, but for 41 different people to be willing to get behind me in this sled going over 90 miles per hour, like that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so definitely I cheer not only for my husband, but also for those 41 athletes I've raced with. Oh, that's a good one. We've yeah. never had that one before. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I, I, I will. I have gone down a bobsled at, uh, in Salt really? Lake City, yeah, at the at the park there, and it, I I get that, I get that. Like you <laughs> want you want someone driving that you trust because yes, it is. Whew, it was it was a lot of G's. I yes. felt like I like yes. stumbled out of there with a headache. I was like, wow, that was one run. I could not do that over and over again. Did you go from the top? Yeah, yeah. They I won't think. let us take. They won't let us take people from the top anymore because. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it's too it's, much. Yeah, it's just this constant like pop, 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 pop. your mm-hmm. head is rattling, rattling, rattling. It was rough. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize how rough it is. Like it looks so much smoother on TV, and then you get in it, and I was like, Whoa. yeah. That's Shauna Robach is a friend, so I went down with her. It was awesome. Yeah, Shauna's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Ah, uh, I'm just so happy for you. I'm I'm thrilled for you. Congratulations on an, an incredible career. I don't know what's next for you beyond speed skating and taking that <laughs> Olympic sport over next. But I hope there's a vacation and a big ass vacation and there's somewhere for you in the near future because you deserve it. Oh my goodness. Thanks. Yeah, we haven't we haven't booked anything yet, but we're definitely definitely gonna go somewhere and definitely enjoy the medals and, and just take some downtime before we make any any major life decisions. All right, darling. Thank you. So awesome chatting. Thank you. Likewise. Have a good day, y'all. <laughs> the amazing thing was she she was serious about that speed skating, Lynn. I would not doubt Alana Myers-Taylor for a second. I know. And we used to play that as kind of a joke. Mm -hmm. And when I threw that at her, she wasted no time and was like, boom, speed skating. Already thought about it, already on it. Reached out to them going to try and use (laughs) it. I can't wait for her to do that. It worked out once. No reason it can't work out again. Right? Exactly. Just Google it. Find out and go. Okay, takeaways. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak in two takeaways. Oh, First, right. COVID mm. blew my mind on how she handled that. Again, I know I said this in the podcast, but you you gear everything around four-year cycles and all the training and all the focus, and then you get there thinking, okay, I'm on point. I've made it this far. Mm-hmm. And find out like to throw a wrench in it like that, at that moment, at that time, can really 
screw you up in so many different ways. Mentally, physically, of course, just being in quarantine. Mm. And she handled that with such grace and calmness. And maybe it wasn't always calm, but boy, did she seem like the butterflies were flying in formation. <laughs> and and it, another hackerism, mm. find a way. Oh, Hacker used to always say really? that. That's Find... a new one. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, really? Hang on. Oh, no. Just find a way. Oh, And wow. that's exactly what she did. And she just handled that with grace and a steadiness that whew, blew my mind. So I bow to her for that one. That was my one takeaway. Mm. Such an important lesson mm-hmm. for us all on how to find a way you can get through it, even when things get thrown at you, adapt and adjust. Uh, <laughs> bust a move. In the biggest of ways. Yeah, bust, bust a, move. a move. She busted a move. Um, and then my second takeaway was that the lows in our high-low cheer continue again to inform and teach us so many things about life. I mean, the fact that Sochi Olympics was her low and her uh, and Alana talking about how her self-talk was coaches at that Olympics, mm-hmm. not her own. And in that pressure moment, she didn't have her own voice. Mm-hmm. And she, she literally said it cost me the gold medal. So a great reminder about the importance of relying on yourself, not others. And to make that dream a reality mm-hmm. uh, have she said i wanted the voice in my head to be my own win lose or draw it's on me and that is such an important reminder it's on you and you got this you can do it <laughs> what are your takeaways well jules those were really really good oh well thank you yeah <laughs> thank you Jeez. all right uh, i'll do two as well i i gave one already in the episode was that i want to be friends with alana <laughs> I even emailed it to her again that I was serious about that after we recorded. So I I think it I think it might happen. I I feel good about that. Okay. Okay. And and the other one, I love that Alana googled US bobsledding and the rest as they say is history. <laughs> that that that's it can be that simple. GTS. <laughs> she GTS'd it. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and the power of seeing Vanetta Flowers. Mm-hmm. Representation matters. Yeah. Okay, questions permitted. This comes from our friend Olga Harvey at the Women's Sports Foundation and loyal, loyal member of the Dope Village. <laughs> she is. Yay, Olga gets a question. Olga texted me, how do you pick the themes for the Lynn game? <laughs> Do you know how I pick the themes? That's a great question. Well, it always has some type of connection between the two guests. I mean, sorry, between myself and the guest. Yeah, I, I, that's my sort of first quest. Uh-huh. Find something that you have in common with the guest. And oh, it- and then, <laughs> okay, wait, sorry, I'm interrupting. And then your second thing is you go, okay, what theme... Does the guest know better than Julie so Julie can lose this game? That's definitely the second thing you go to because usually you're on point on that one. (laughs) Okay. All right. So that's not entirely true. And I'll, and oh, there is some truth to it though. Well, no, the truth is that I am always rooting for the guest. That's the truth. Also true is I really try to make the game as even as possible. 
where sometimes I'll think, oh, Julie will for sure know that, or there's no way she'll know that. You know, I really, like, I do know you well enough in that way, I think, where I can stack the game where it is even Steven. I really do mm. try. Mm. As far as mm. how I pick the theme, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do, I do try and find something where there's a commonality. Oftentimes it comes through looking at the guest's Instagram account where something will pop out unique. And then mm-hmm. sometimes I cannot find anything or I'm just lacking in creativity that day. And that's when I go to the grab bag. Those are the grab bag <laughs> games. <laughs> Speaking of Google, God bless Google, because I, there would be no Lynn game without the Googles. Yeah, without the Googles. Uh, I, I love that I don't ever know the theme for reals mm. for the guests mm-hmm. and for our listeners. People go, oh, you, do you know it ahead of time? I'm like, no, she won't show me questions. She won't even show me the theme. That would be cheating, and I am not a cheater. There was one time I, I needed you to print the game out. And yeah, and I didn't look didn't, at Didn't even look at them. Mm-hmm. Did not. Is it fun for you when the when I do announce the theme? Yeah, exactly. I get excited when I. <laughs> what was, um, what was the Alana theme again? PPs. Short term memory. Short term memory issues. Past presidents. Oh yeah, I yeah. said ex presidents, and you said that it's the p- past, past presidents, presidents right. of the Women's Sports Foundation. And I'm glad you brought up this game because one of the challenges over Zoom is seeing who squeaks in first. It that Mm. I will admit that has been tough. And especially when the sounds are so similar. And in Mm -hmm. this instance, when I edited this episode, the first question, Alana squeaked in first, and I called on you. And it got to it got to the point where Alana held her squeaky noise thing closer to the microphone on her on her headphones because she must have known but she's just such a good you know just such a good person where she wasn't going to make a federal case out of it like someone else i I know like i do (laughs) you mean wait no i was in first with my vuvuzela you just didn't hear it but i could actually see the audio edit while i was editing that on that first question, Alana totally beat you. And I do think it was a pivotal moment moment in the game. Sorry, Alana. That's just the way cookie crumbles. Swaggy has, has I think, become an intro, instrumental part of the Lynn game. That's right. been, that has been a fun surprise over Zoom. I will say those little piggly squeakies she loves. And amazingly she hasn't eaten them she just like gently carries them in her mouth it's like she thinks they're alive i think the little piggly swags (laughs) swags oh really good thank you olga thanks for all your great work that you do at the women's sports foundation which is if you guys don't know what the women's sports foundation is gts it because they're amazing founded by the billy jane king uh, and thank you all to our Dope Village for listening. Why don't we just keep that gratitude going? Thank you to our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporty Goods, and to Kate Diaz for our incredible theme music. Thank yous all around. And remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. I had to get donuts for the occasion. <laughs>